everybody. Welcome once again to another All the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. We're thrilled, as always, to be back in the studio with you today. We got a very exciting uh, show to talk about. We got Starcade 85, The Gathering from 1985. It's uh, the third of the Starcade events, I guess you want to call them. They're not pay-per-views, which uh, Rich will chat a little bit about. Um, so we actually we found this one. We were looking for a Starcade to watch, and we did some Googling on like greatest Starcade matches ever and there's one on this card that popped up more than a few times so we thought it'd be a good one to watch and i i don't think i don't think the internet was wrong no uh and also i thought this was a good one to watch just because we had just done wrestlemania one which was the same year as this starcade just a few months later and it's uh a great spot to compare where wwf was to like everyone else yeah, it's a contrast in styles and production for sure, uh, and just a just a whole different tone to a wrestling show compared to that WrestleMania. So I'm glad we got a chance to watch it. Let me give you the details on this one. This is, uh, of course, of an, N- an NWA Jim Crockett Promotions uh, production from November 28th, 1985. This one was held at two different venues, the Greensboro Coliseum Complex in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the Omni, Omni Coliseum in Atlanta, Georgia. So sort of like WrestleMania 2, which would come up the following year. We've got two shows going on. Um, the way this is presented on the Peacock anyway is that the matches go back and forth between those two venues. I'm not sure how the people at the time experienced it, if they would have been like watching their whole card and then able to watch the whole second card, or if they were just recorded and mashed together later. Did, do you have any idea? I'm not sure, but I'm pretty certain that it went back and forth uh, at the time, uh, just because of the way the Wikipedia also lists out the card, though. The other thing, though, was that the commentating, like the the calling of the matches by uh, Tony Schiavone and Bob Cottle, I don't know. They felt a little like they were recorded post, so I'm not exactly sure what is happening there because, I mean, you don't see any commentators ringside during this match, I don't think. There's questions about how the production is, and we can talk a little bit more about the production, especially in comparison to WrestleMania 1, which, compared to this, looks like a diamond that has been cut and polished and shines. Like, it's the Hope Diamond compared to this gritty, nasty, like piece of parking lot gravel that this show is it's desperado versus uh, el mariachi if you're into robert rodriguez movies it's completely different experience nothing to take away from the matches in this show or in wrestlemania both of them have solid cards and every match is pretty damn good this one this event though the ring looks like it was built in 1920 (laughs) both of them they're both stained with old blood from previous matches so like they couldn't even buy like a new ring mat for these two locations to put this show on the the house lights are out and like it just (laughs) everything looks very dim it looks it looks smoky uh the camera work is very unsteady especially at the beginning like the camera just comes in and they're showing Bob Cottle and Tony Schiavone talking to the camera and the cameraman. I don't know if he might have had Parkinson's at the time <laughs> or just 
just too much caffeine that day. It is shaking all over the place. And then we get this this uh, recording of the national anthem uh, while the camera shakily zooms in on the American flag. And it keeps going back and forth between Greensboro and Atlanta uh, the show, the national anthem happening at both places, but at some point lag happens and the national anthem is playing over top of itself from the two locations in the audio. It's and, the remix. And it gets very confusing and, and you're just not like, what, what recording of the national anthem is this? And it's actually the same recording, just like 30 seconds behind the other one. And it's very, very jarring and the crowd gets into it though and it's just both of these crowds are hot like the wrestlemania one crowd at madison square garden was pretty hot but it's nothing compared to what these crowds are in greensboro and atlanta which honestly are huge shrines of southern wrestling at this point so yeah, they're they're some bloodthirsty uh, folks. Attendance I didn't mention is thirty thousand is what Wikipedia listed as combined. So I'm not sure exactly what each of those places hold, but we'll just we'll just call it fifteen and fifteen for lack of a uh, more detailed uh, available data. But yeah, um, yeah in addition, in addition to the technical stuff, the Bob Cotto and Tony uh, Shivani are are very like awkward and nervous at first and especially backstage interviewer johnny weaver he looks like he's gonna sweat his toupee off and maybe have a heart attack and i'm not sure what else um and and it's very he's about as awkward on the mic as as i am so um it's you know it's it's a big deal to them obviously and they want to yeah. get it right uh he's but you can lord tell alfred hayes for <laughs> <laughs> like looking terrified <laughs> these two teams have opinions that are different let's go and hear them <laughs> uh yeah Boy, that was an excellent wrestling <laughs> contest young man yeah, there's just there so like there's still not pay-per-view either. So this is just uh closed circuit television uh broadcast probably to different arenas across the south. Um I can't imagine that this was nationwide. I don't think you could buy tickets to see this in LA or anything like that. Um but uh it probably from from Richmond to Houston, you could probably go to an arena or maybe a movie theater and buy a ticket to watch this. Um, I would have done that. I think that would, would have been a good time. Um, and the uh, so during the national anthem, there's a lot of and throughout the show, there's a lot of shots of the, the crowd. Uh, and it's it's a perfect, beautiful time capsule. Um, the crowds are a little bit different. You know, in Atlanta, there's a lot of sequins and hairspray. And in uh, Greensboro, there's a lot of flannel you know plaid shirts and stuff trucker hats yeah farm girl looking um (laughs) it's kind of cool actually i sort of enjoyed seeing the the crowd there's an old lady who gets shown a bunch of times in the front row with sort of short curly like permed hair and glasses who's like losing her mind um she wants everyone to get bloody and die yeah there's also a couple of these crowd shots that just don't work because the house lights are off (laughs) <laughs> and so it's just like you can't see anything except for like kind of like a shadowy figure cheering and screaming like that's all I, all you can see. So it, it's 
it's definitely an interesting perspective. There's not as much of that like beautiful polished camera work either. There's some amazing little angles that happen every once in a while, but I don't, there wasn't really like a hard cam as they call in the biz of where like, this is always the standard shot. And then we would go to ringside cameras to get like specialty action shots or anything like that. Like you see in WWF, this Definitely seemed like they had like two ringside cameras and then like a third boom camera or something like that. So it's a very different viewing experience, but you get a bit more up and personal watching this than you did with WrestleMania. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, one of the tag team matches. Um, the camera is clearly sort of at the ropes when somebody gets whipped into the ropes. Um, I think it's one of the tag team matches. Maybe you remember which one it was. And it's it's a pretty it's a pretty jarring and exciting shot, actually. And there's also some shots where it looks like the camera person is starting in like the fifth row of the crowd and yeah. kind of like <laughs> zooms up to the <laughs> zooms up to the ring, which is weird. Like it like he's uh, filming the uh, end sequence of Star Wars or something. So I don't know. It's it's uh. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, this is definitely uh, a very enjoyable show and a very enjoyable experience overall. And it's kind of a reminder of what wrestling used to be. For sure. Did I mention the tagline on this is The Gathering, which I was kind of hoping. I was, I really kind of hoped it was a Highlander reference, but Highlander came out in 86, and this is November of 85, so I don't. I don't unless somebody got a peek at an early script or or something. Um, I don't know if anybody knows anything about that. Let us know. It seems seems a little too coincidental. Yeah, it's a it's a bloody gathering though. There's a oh lot of juice. God. Yeah, a lot, a lot of juice. It, it's very it's very moist and very <laughs> very red. Uh, show. I I think there's blood in every match. I think. I think so too. I was about to say. I, pretty much. I'm maybe scrolling. Crusher Khrushchev the versus sam houston i don't think there might have been blood yeah but after that everybody and their mom bleeds like i'm sure that <laughs> several people in the crowd got color during this show it's, and hepatitis oh my god how i this is a health scare like this this both of these arenas are outbreaks i i don't know for hep c there's there there's this bad it's this ugly and messy more stains for that old nwa match. i was gonna say now now you know why the canvas looks that way so um yeah if you like blood this is a show for you if you're not into the blood so much then uh you know maybe skip this one maybe maybe watch wrestlemania instead i don't think a single person at wrestlemania got color at the first wrestlemania yeah well it's for the kids right you can't be right bleeding all over the place that's probably one of the biggest differences between these shows and in, in wrestling style is just <laughs> nobody bleeds and this one everybody bleeds so <laughs> everybody bleeds that should have been the tagline yeah starcade 85 everybody bleeds <laughs> 10 out of 10 would watch so first up we got sam houston younger brother to uh jake roberts by the way versus our buddy barry darso as crusher khrushchev um you remember barry darso he's the most unconvincing russian ever he he doesn't even attempt to put on like a shitty Russian accent. He's just no, like, no. he's like, I'll tell you what, these American wrestlers don't know what's up. The Russian wrestlers are the best. Am I right? Yeah. Like these Russian guys where I grew up sure taught me good how to wrestle. 
eh, it's funny. Yeah. I I thought maybe he was just more culturally uh, Russian than like nationality. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he, uh, maybe he admires their, uh, you know, history of the arts or something. So I don't know. Anyway, it's Barry Darso. It's smash from demolition. Did you guys remember when we met yeah. demolition? That was awesome. That was, that was awesome. Um, he looks fantastic day. here. He looks like a unit. Uh, yeah, he does it. He does a really impressive overhead slam of uh, poor Sam Houston. They're wrestling for the NWA Mid Atlantic Heavyweight Championship belt, which is vacant. And this one is coming to us from Greensboro. Yeah, this is a this is a great match. Uh, it's a good fast paced start match. Kind of, it's kind of choppy though. It starts fast and then slows down. Then gets fast again. But the one really big thing that I took out of this is that kayfabe is fully alive for these guys. The crowd 100% believes that Crusher Khrushchev, despite how he talks, is from <laughs> Russia, and they're chanting USA. It, yeah. It's it's amazing for the crowd to be that, like, have that much buy-in to this, to what is such a blatantly not real thing. <laughs> He's from Minnesota. <laughs> And yeah that's the other thing is that he's got a southern twang when he talks later in the show he's got a southern twang but he's from minnesota and he's pretending to be russian well as we discussed on the demolition episode which you guys should listen to because it's awesome he spent time in florida and georgia championship wrestling and it's probably hard not to pick up a little bit of uh twang while you're down there you know yeah, I was thinking maybe it's like the NASCAR thing to where like once you become a NASCAR driver, you have to talk like that, whether you're from the South or not, that this is how everybody else talks. And so therefore, that is how you talk. And so he's in the Southern territories working. He needs to sound like he's from there, even though he's a Russian. Yeah, maybe it's a good theory. My my theory was more along the lines of the like the military accent, the U.S. military accent. Like there's a very specific accent that folks have because they live most of a lot of the bases are in the south but you're not in the south because you're on a base with a bunch of people from all over the place right so it's a very like uh i don't know cosmopolitan's maybe a little strong but you know what i mean like it's sort of this weird they're like mix. enclaves kind of yeah like, it's like this mix of uh mix of accents but you can tell almost instantly if somebody has spent you know a lot of time in the military they have that anyway maybe wrestlers maybe wrestlers are like soldiers that way so we should thank them both for their service. Anyway, <laughs> <clears throat> this crowd is hot, as you said. I don't know why oh, Sam God. Houston's so skinny. I, did they not feed him on the circuit? Like, I kind of well, want. He's still to just... young and up and comer here, so like he's he's probably on the potato diet, like Stone Cold was. <laughs> you know, just driving four hundred miles every night and eating raw potatoes in the back of his Honda Civic. And this has the classic kind of dusty like finish to where uh, Sam. Uh, Houston lands his big bulldog, the running bulldog. But right before the ref hits three, Crusher gets his foot on the rope. And uh, Sam thinks he won the match, but he ends up getting blindsided by Crusher's signature move, the sickle, and gets pinned for the for getting the championship. And we have Crusher Khrushchev winning the championship. Yeah, the bamboozle. That was a fun one. to be happy for him. Even yeah. though he's the heel, like for some reason I was like, "Oh, good for him!" Like I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why, but I was just like, "Oh, good for future Smash." We're, yeah, maybe we're glad. it was because I met him that I was happy for him or something. I yeah. don't know. 
He talked about, uh, in one of those interviews that we read with him, he talked about how this was his favorite gimmick that he ever did. Um, obviously, he's wrong, and Smash was better, but uh, his he really enjoyed working as Crusher Khrushchev, and especially working with uh, Ivan and Nikita Koloff and uh, all the crazy like hour-long matches and stuff they had down there. He said that's where he really learned how to work. I would understand why this would be his favorite gimmick. And partially probably because he just has nostalgia because he was he's super young. He's in amazing shape and he's working with amazing talent. Sam Houston was great. And then like the call offs were great. And but like he's also working in just like a promotion that is working with Buddy Landell and Ric Flair and Tully Blanchard and Magnum T.A. Like he's in a place of greatness at this point you know so i i totally get it it's, it'd be really uh really easy to kind of rise to the occasion in that sort of environment so the next up on the card is manny raging bull fernandez versus abdullah the butcher who's uh, managed by paul jones it is a mexican death match <laughs> from atlanta <laughs> uh and what makes it a mexican death match apparently um is that there's no disqualifications no stoppages the ref is not in the ring etc cetera, etc cetera. but to win you have to climb the corner post and retrieve a sombrero um i'm not i'm not sure how to feel about that but uh, i did like the ref kind of giving his sort of ominous warnings at the beginning of the match about there will be no disqualifications there will be no stoppages for blood the referee will not be in the ring he will be on the floor like so they're like they're letting you know yeah this uh abdullah on his way to the ring seems to get very physical with a fan I don't know if you saw that. He like jostles with him, and I think Abdullah was about to actually kill him <laughs> until the police got in between them and broke them up. Like, why would you pick a fight with Abdullah the Butcher? Like, you can look at his face and tell that one, he's not afraid to bleed, he's not afraid to get stabbed, and he's not afraid to stab you because he stabs himself all the time. <laughs> that was not a wise choice. No, not at all. The, the man gets stabbed for a living. What, do you, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, the, my f This is what a hardcore match should be, in my opinion. They literally, yeah. like, oh, there's no rules? So Abdullah didn't care. And, like, the moment that bell rang, he went into his tights and got that, that sharp object that he always carries, like the fork <laughs> thing. The fork, yeah. And, and he wail and he goes wailing on on Manny, and then he goes and gets the timekeeper's hammer. Like he's not fucking around. <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's a hardcore match. Like oh well, I can do whatever I want. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kill the guy. That's that's what I'm gonna do. His name is the Butcher. Yeah, it, it's so much more believable. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He doesn't wait like the, he just goes immediately to the fork he's just some and manny starts bleeding like crazy almost instantly <laughs> god um, and like, then it's, uh, it's a nauseating amount of blood <laughs> it's bad it's really bad i i wrote sweet jesus this is some violence um manny loses both of his boots and they take turns braining each other with the boots uh which was which is a really good spot i like i enjoyed that um <laughs> manny does this impressive impressive suplex of uh Abdullah, that scared the living oh, hell crap. out of me. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. I, that's brave of Butcher to be willing to go up as a man that big. Uh, I mean, he's not at his biggest at this point, but he's still a big boy. And 
Manny gets him up and suplexes him in a very quick snap suplex. He didn't like, there was no Goldberg holding him up for a minute and then <laughs> slamming him down, but he got it. And uh, I really liked the bit where Manny loses it and takes off his belt and starts whipping Abdullah with it. Uh, that was a great moment. And the crowd went, went crazy for it. This crowd is bananas uh, in both arenas. So this one is coming from the Omni in Atlanta, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so they're they're losing their ever loving shit over this match, and <laughs> they should be because it is violence, and it's amazing. Well, after Manny loses his boots, he's got blood on his socks, like in multiple places. Yeah. You don't you don't see that. So for the the finish on this one, Abdullah whips Manny to the corner and tries to come in with a splash, but misses and posts himself. Um, so Manny jumps up like right over top of Abdullah and grabs the hat for the win and hopefully for a quick trip to the hospital for a blood transfusion and a lot of stitches so many stitches <laughs> that was such a good match i didn't i didn't have any expectations except i figured it would be bloody but that was that was fantastic there's a, a crusher promo back in greensboro this is where he's <laughs> <laughs> this is where he's saying well you know this is proof that the russians are superior athletes like like me who is obviously from russia as you can me tell and my, my Russian friends, <laughs> we are the superior athletes here. Like, I even think he uses like I reckon and stuff like that in this promo. So it's like, you're so Russian. I'm so convinced. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> maybe you know, this is the 80s. Maybe this is like the Americans. You know, he's like a deep cover spy. He's just Ooh. he's been here for so long. Oh, yeah. He could be his parents could have been the Russians. And like oh. birthed him in Minnesota to to spy, and the KGB recruited him. Yeah, and then he would go on to spread Satanism through the popular tag team Demolition, hence yeah. contributing to the fall of America. And then, and then when they all when all the Americans have debt, he's the one that comes around and repossesses your car, <laughs> and your boats, and your private jets. As the repo man with his hook. That's right. And then he makes fun of you as the the uh, <laughs> the evil golfer. As he just <laughs> spends his millions out there on the golf course and laughs at the poors. At the poor people. I think we're uncovering some shit here about Mr. Darso. There's a comrade, very linear Comrade line. Darso, yeah. yeah. Comrade. Anyway. Comrade Darso. That sounds good, actually. I like that. Yeah. All right. Next up. Oh, oh, look, there's more blood. This is Ron Bass <laughs> versus Black Bart, who's managed by J.J. Dillon. And in case we haven't had enough uh, with the gimmicks yet, this is a Texas bull rope match live from Greensboro. Um, and if Bass wins, he gets uh, five minutes uh, of a bull rope match with J.J. Dillon. <laughs> it's the stipulation. So I guess we kind of know how this is going to go. And it's very similar to uh, the Vern Gagne uh um chic thing right yeah uh, but, right uh, yeah if if uh greg can win his match Vern gets his five minutes in the cage with the chic so yeah ron ron bass looks like an old school badass like i wouldn't go in there oh, with him on a bet <laughs> no 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 i he literally looks like he just came from a bar beating the shit out of 20 people. <laughs> and now he's here to like, all right, I'm warmed up. Let's yeah. do this. Cause I mean, black Bart starts bleeding almost immediately in this match. Mm -hmm. 
I don't even know how. This is like the bell rang and Bart is bleeding. I don't <laughs> I don't understand what happened. I think is it possible to just bleed from fear? Just... <laughs> it's possible. Because at some point, Bart was bleeding so badly that Ron is covered in blood spatter from a cowbell shot. Like, <laughs> so it's gross. it's so gross. And, like, they're really hitting each other with that cowbell. And I'm, I, God, like, <laughs> this match, like, these two matches back to back is is brutality and cruelty. And I'm impressed that they managed to keep viewers after this. It's so violent. I was yeah, and I'm surprised both of these men managed to live um through this exchange. Um I, I didn't even actually write down what happened. I just was kind of blown away by the uh yeah. by the violence. I, I, I did mean, there catch, isn't much that happens yeah. except for uh Bart hits Ron with the bell with the bell in the middle of the bull rope, and then Ron hits Bart with the bell. Like it's just back and forth bell shots until um basically in a in a tremendous moment, Ron punches Bart in the face with the bell. Shocker. And Bart staggers and then he locks his knees just right and while punching at the air and then goes down like a tree in a face bump. Yeah. And it yeah. Such a great moment. That was that was beautifully, beautifully done. Just yeah. straight over. I don't know how you do that and not unlock your knees. You know what I mean? And not even yeah. not try to catch yourself. Nothing. Just like like you said, like a tree. That was great. Yeah, so. and it takes an incredibly bold referee to wear yellow. <laughs> He's wearing bright yellow in this match. Um, and I, I'm amazed that it wasn't like turning pink from all the blood that's like flying around in this match. Yeah. So because Ron gets the win, then that means he gets a shot at J.J. Dillon. Um, and J.J. is obviously a little, little concerned about this. He's wearing a tuxedo T-shirt instead of his usual tuxedo because he knows he might have to, you know, get it on. So, though I like how this goes, though, because like, yeah, I did too. Uh, Bass is like he's he's hurting from from the fight with Bart. Bart gave him a decent whooping, even though you know Ron came out of it winning. And so JJ like recognizes this and hops right into the ring immediately, and ties into the rope and gets the early advantage on. Uh, on bass and then eventually bass does his version of hulking up i don't know what else to call it but he hulks up he's like shaking he ba- and looking at the he crowd passes for, up for uh for support he basses up um he gets drunk basically i think um <laughs> and he cracks jj with the bell so we get that that satisfying finally that villain dastardly jj dylan takes a bell to the face and he's bleeding and he even does a uh, face bump uh like uh, a Ric Flair or uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine style. And then uh, Bass uh, tries to hit Dylan, but ends up knocking out the ref instead. And that's when Bart hops back in the ring and pile drives Bass. And Dylan flops on top of him and gets the win. Yes. So good. And Dylan is also sort of knocked unconscious. He's unconscious on top of Bass. So he gets a pin. (laughs) Yeah. That was great. Man, what a... What a uh, what a circus! Uh, Everybody's what a, bleeding. What a beautiful symphony of violence! So the Red Cross just... has a truck parked outside for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to continue a match when you've actually bled to death. It's you know, it's really it's tricky. 
the next one is uh, Superstar Billy Graham versus The Barbarian, uh, who was managed by Paul Jones. So they've got an arm wrestling match. This is in, in Atlanta now. They've got like the like a, what looks like a kid's classroom table and chairs <laughs> set up, like they the kind with one of those professional arm wrestling tables, like seriously the handles just, or something. You could rent it, like. When did over the top come out? That's like eighty seven, right? So like these things existed. You could have, you like could they have stole uh, some like kids' art craft table from like a classroom, and <laughs> like is there an elementary school down the street? And they put that in the ring, and they uh, and these two little chairs, and so you have these two hulking monster muscle bound men like sitting in these tiny chairs, trying to fit behind this tiny desk, trying to arm wrestle. It almost seems like a like a rib, you know, like a joke on these guys. It's kind of funny. So um, the other thing I noticed is that Billy Graham's facial hair is sort of an exact match of the barbarian's haircut. Like you could, <laughs> you could swap one for the other. You could like face swap them. So they go at it. They, they flex a little unconvincingly. Um, superstar finally hawks up or Graham's up. I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to say. Billy's up. I don't Billy's know. up and gets the uh, pin and then Jones, of course, attacks him with the cane. And now he's bleeding because, of course, he is. So then they go into a match. Were they supposed to have a match? Like, or is it just turn into a match? I think it was supposed to be a match after the arm wrestling, I think. So the arm wrestling was like a, like an appetizer. Yeah. Like a shrimp cocktail. It's a weird setup, and they don't exactly explain it clearly. But, yeah, so they end up having a match. And this is actually the first time. I ever saw a superstar Billy Graham match. Yeah, me too. I feel like maybe I saw some in the in the WWF when he kind of like came over mid eighties. But that, I mean, that's sort of late. You know, that's late superstar. You know, yeah. Um, and this is this is late superstar too. I mean, most of his stuff was in the seventies, right? Yeah, he's definitely uh, late of his career, or or has just ended his career and has agreed to come back for this one final thing. It's this is it's just kind of a I don't quite understand what's happening here. It's not the it's not like this is really bad. It's just kind of confusing and both times the arm wrestling match ends with Paul Jones attacking him with a cane, uh, attacking Billy with a cane and then they go into the wrestling match and then the wrestling match is okay. I mean, there's mainly just a just a, a bear hug happening. It's two big, yeah. muscly, meaty guys. So it's not like they're doing a lot of technical stuff. It's the most WWF looking wrestling match on this show. Um, and then just as it looked like the barbarian was going to uh, be unconscious, deemed unconscious from the bear hug, Paul Jones again jumps in the ring and hits Billy with the cane, and then gets the barbarian gets disqualified. So like you have absolutely no resolution to whatever the hell was happening between these two people. <laughs> I mean, get a new shtick already and just stop hitting people with canes. That's boring. Yeah. I, Barbarian actually is pretty impressive here for a big guy. So yeah. he came over to WWF and he seems to be, he seemed to be uh, significantly larger in terms of muscle. Um, hmm. there. Maybe it's, maybe it's just my memory <laughs> or maybe something happened in between. I don't know. Hmm. Um, so, <laughs> So he actually moves around a little bit better here than um, than I'm used to seeing him. But uh, yeah, I don't know. He's he's large. Superstar looks good. You know he uh, he's no stranger to the 
enhancements himself. He'll he'll talk pretty openly about that. So yeah, and then it's over. But there's a lot of blood. Billy's head is bleeding on the barbarian's chest at one point during yeah. the bear hug. It leaves like a like a Rorschach uh, ink blot test on his chest. That's uh, why the barbarian had a tattoo of my parents fighting. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> You're clearly wrong. It was a it was a tattoo of my scoutmaster touching me. So. <laughs> anyway, are we ready to move on? Yeah, this is an interesting one here. Yeah, I, I will just I'll just put a plug in for Over the Top, which is the the definitive arm wrestling movie. Um, well, how else been... are you supposed to determine custody of a child? Right. It's the best way. It's the only way, actually, under American man rules. All right. You're a lonesome trucker and you want to want to take care of your kid. You got to protect your kid. So obviously you arm wrestle to keep him. <laughs> Just like we used to do it in the old days. This is the 80s. Yeah. Uh, why, didn't, why hasn't somebody remade uh, Over the Top yet? They got a top over gun. Over the top. That's why. <laughs> We got a Top Gun sequel and and no over the top reboot. I mean, it's the same probably reason why they haven't like revisited the Iron Eagle movies or anything like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can only have like your mentor shot down so many times and him leave you a, a tape to inspire you to win. Like that only that only you can only do that so many times, which is apparently three times. <laughs> well, nowadays you can leave you an MP3. Wouldn't have to be a tape. So that's the that's the twist. That's the modernized. Um, and you're actually just a drone pilot sitting in a computer room in the Pentagon, right. like right with covered in Cheeto dust. Right. So it's not believable anymore. Yeah. Anyway, we keep getting distracted. It's Friday. It's been a long week. I started a new job. Oh my, my brain's God. kind yeah. of my brain's kind of uh, boiled, broiled, fried. All those things. This is uh, Buddy Landell, uh, Nature Boy Buddy Landell, right? Yes. With James J. Dillon again versus Terry Taylor, who is not yet the Red Rooster, um, but you can see it coming. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dillon's got his head wrapped in bandages from an earlier escapade, so we know And he may legit. have stitches under there. It kind of looks like he might have had a few stitches, or they just put something under there to make it look like he has stitches. But it's very convincing. Like Yeah. He looks like a Revolutionary War like that guy that you'd picture <laughs> playing the drums. Like yeah, yeah, like he's in that um, was that is that a Wyeth painting of like the Revolutionary guys drumming and fifing? I was trying to reference the painting "Spirit of '76" by Archibald Willard. Uh, anyways, Buddy Landell, boy. So, he really wants to be Ric Flair. <laughs> he just straight up thought he would be able to, like, rip off Ric Flair's gimmick. The whole shebang. He does Ric Flair's moves. He has Ric Flair's nickname. Uh, he has Ric Flair's look. Um, and he apparently thought that this would be okay because Ric Flair did the same thing to Buddy Rogers, nature boy, Buddy Rogers, uh, who basically Ric Flair took everything from, but 
Buddy Rogers was close to retirement and had like given Flair's blessing to continue on as the Nature Boy. Meanwhile, Nature Boy Ric Flair is in his prime, and Buddy Landell just comes along, and be like, "Well, I'm going to do that now." And uh... <laughs> Flair's in his prime and on the same damn show. <laughs> on the same show, it's not confusing at all that there's two Nature Boys with bright blonde white hair doing yeah. the figure four and having wiry frames. Do you no. think there's, um, you think there's any fans out there who are just sort of like, like hipster fans who are like deliberately like, uh, you know, Flair's okay, but for my money, buddy Landell's is the real nature boy. He's where it's at. Like, he's more natural. Yeah. <laughs> he's the, he's the LPs. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's someone out there like, that's a big Buddy Landell fan that has no idea that Ric Flair existed and thinks that <laughs> Buddy Landell created this whole thing. And then it was a beautiful shtick. Or like if there's someone out there that like Buddy Landell is their favorite wrestler. And there probably is. I mean, I've always, I've, I've never criticized people for having weird favorites. There was a, you know, every movie and every book and every song is somebody's favorite. So I'm sure every wrestler has has a fan that it's that they're their favorite so yeah to those buddy landell fans out there great he definitely seems like a pretty talented guy just not very creative yeah i mean he can work for sure i mean and he and terry have a pretty good match here actually i enjoyed it um yeah there's some stiff uh moves here terry hits yeah. him with this stiff forearm that looked like about cleaned his clock uh i thought taylor uh, Terry Taylor was going to wrap it up with that move, um, but he goes up to the top for a superplex and can't get Buddy over. So Buddy falls on top of him and the ref uh, who got bumped a little bit earlier uh, wakes up just in time to get the three count and give the the belt to Buddy Landell, which I didn't mention at the top is the NWA National Heavyweight Championship belt. Yeah, so yeah, Terry couldn't get the suplex off the superplex to happen because uh JJ Dillon has reached in and grabbed his ankle. I don't know exactly how that prevents you from just falling backwards with someone up for a suplex, but okay, that's fine. There was two things that really stood out in this match to me and it was that like Terry was in some sort of weird like headlock kind of thing with uh, from Buddy and uh Terry lunges forward just right and it catapults Buddy's head into the bottom turnbuckle in a very nasty looking hit. And then after that, at some point, Terry just stands on Buddy's face. <laughs> he just stands on it. Uh, and that that was look both of them looked rough along with that uh that clubbing forearm that you talked about there. And the crowd did not like the result of this. Doesn't your toddler do the stand on your face uh, move to you? Is he, yes, he, he does. He one? does a stand and then he sits on the back of my head and bounces like he's riding a horse. <laughs> nice. He's there might a be a reason future. why I have the Shawn Michaels eyes now. There's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the crowd is not happy with the result of this match at all. Yeah. At all. Well, they know Buddy Landell is a crock of shit. And uh, the poor man's Ric Flair. They, they ain't having it. The crime against Nature Boy is <laughs> is now the champion, and the crowd doesn't yeah. like it. It's bad news. 
It's unfortunate. Um, there's a similar finish actually with the next match with somebody grabbing somebody's ankle and it's not entirely sure how it actually affects things, but, um, this is, uh, not to, you know, spoil or anything. This is the Minnesota wrecking crew, Ole and Arn Anderson, uh, versus Wahoo McDaniel and Billy Jack Haynes. I'm not sure how those two guys got teamed up here, but this is for the NWA national tag team championship. Um, Billy Jack Haynes, Jesus H Christ. First of all, he looks exactly like Dr. Death, Steve Williams, um, but maybe larger, maybe, I don't know. They're, they're both. He's a bit huge. slimmer, but taller. I think, I don't know, but yeah. he's a big son of a bitch. Yeah. He's an absolute unit. His um, trunks just say Oregon because yeah. I, I don't know why actually. Uh, he's so I think it, I think it's good to point out here that the reason why we're not really sure how these different moves are, are uh, these like cheat grabs from the outside of the ring are helping or costing people the match is because we don't actually see them happen during the match. We don't because the camera work and how bad everything is shot. Most of the time, you can't see these cheating maneuvers happening until they show us the replay after the match and go, Oh, so that's why he couldn't kick out. The dude's holding his leg from outside of the ring. He can't, he can't get the leverage to kick out, but you can't see that happening when it's actually happening. Uh, so yeah. like the, the, the heat that is happening with the viewers is delayed because we got to wait until the replay to see the cheat. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, ca- the camera angles are not great. Um, so I thought actually when the first time I watched this through, I had to re- wait for the replay. I actually thought that Oli had, uh, had nut shotted, uh, Wahoo at the end there. And, yeah. But actually he just grabs his ankle so that he falls over. Cause if, if a grown man grabs your ankle, you fall over. It's like immediate. It's, it's just a fact. Yeah. So there's, this is, this match also has, uh, the entrance stuff. I'm not exactly sure. I can't find anything saying that the peacock did it or maybe this was done for the dvd release uh but there's definitely some like um what sounds like entrance music being dubbed over with other entrance music or something is weird uh because wahoo and billy jack definitely come out to a synth like um instrumental version basically of party like it's 1999 by prince it's it's almost identical. It's got to be it's got to be what that is. And then um, Billy Graham, superstar Billy Graham, came out to what sounds very much like the final countdown by Europe. Um, but that song didn't come out until 1986. So I don't know if like this stuff is being dubbed in later to avoid copyright because I know Billy Graham at least in the WWF and other places used to come into the overture from Jesus Christ superstar, which is a very, <laughs> very bold choice in entrance music. That's freaking brilliant. It's what that yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Wahoo and Billy Jack also had ripped off uh, uh, entrance music, but the, uh, that Prince it's, it's definitely uh Prince esque party. Like it's 1999 esque. Uh, entrance music and so i don't know if they're doing if peacock is doing this or if uh, the nwa did this when they released the vhs slash dvd or maybe this is actually what they've been playing in the arena i don't know i don't think it was for for superstar billy graham but it might have been for um wahoo and billy jack so yeah yeah it's interesting how the sort of the music uh 
music stuff plays out and it's a little it's a little difficult to tell what's uh original and what's been kind of fixed fixed in post by the peacock so but um no this is a fun match actually wahoo made daniel they work on his arm because you know one of his big things is his chops um and so they're trying to you know disable that arm so he can't chop the shit out of him hey spoiler alert he still chops the shit out of him like oh my god those chops (laughs) (laughs) Like at, at various points, both of the Andersons will have, you know, one arm and he just has one free arm. He's just whacking on their chest. <laughs> These massive overhand open palm, like chop slash slaps this, like someone just like, like winding up and smacking you right in the center of your chest with an open palm. It Like you, at home, you can feel the air get sucked out of your chest, your own chest, and you're not even taking the shot. I can't imagine how like Oli and Arn are feeling taking these like ballistic missile of chops to their chests. I I would want to work on Wahoo's arm too, so he couldn't do that to me. Yeah. I'm like, hey, can we just can we not this time? Can, no. Hey, what if we what if you sell the arm the whole match? Hey, how about that, buddy? Is that a good idea? You sell the yeah. arm, maybe? Please. The other thing I wanted to look up was just like how old is Wahoo McDaniel at this point? Because it seems like everything that we've seen him, he always looks just like old. Like he's perpetually he fucking old, yeah. Old. Like he's like like Wilford Brimley always looked perpetually <laughs> old, even though like Tom Cruise is now older than what he was in Cocoon. Uh but I okay, so So he was born in thirty eight, so he would have been uh, what 40s 40. uh 47 is my math right there 47 Somewhere years old there. in this match yeah Ooh, he's getting up hey, there <laughs> and, the, and and he still goes yeah he can hang he can hang yeah. with the kids because he comes in like a firecracker at one point on a hot tag and just starts laying everybody out with those nastiest chops. Yeah. Imagine being in uh, on a team with uh, Billy Jack Haynes, who who looks like, you know, 300 pounds of muscle. And like the guy you're afraid of is actually near 50 year old Wahoo McDaniel. <laughs> That's got to be an ego check for you. I'm like, yeah. hey, Billy, Billy Jack, you look tough and all, but you're no 50 uh, year old uh, ex-football player. Yeah, I was just looking up uh, Billy Jack here. Uh, he's born in 53, so he's more in his prime at this point. Um, yeah. And he had just started wrestling in, in 82 at this point. So he's only been in the business for three years. But he trained at Stu Hart's Dungeon. So that's interesting. Hmm, look at that. Yeah. And he uh, really was from uh, Oregon, just like his tight said. Yeah, thank God. He always says he's only 6'3". I'm 6'3". So he's not that big. Two forty six. Yeah, know. I mean, it's all those l- camera angles from outside of the ring shooting up at people makes them look huge. But I mean, the dude's ripped. Yeah, he is. He is jacked. <laughs> so for the uh, finish on this one, Wahoo backs Arn into a corner. Uh, Oli's on the floor out outside of the ring, and he uh, kind of grabs Wahoo's ankle, uh, and then Arn knocks him over and uh Oli sort of hangs on to uh Wahoo's foot so he can't kick out of the pin. So it's sort of a dirty finish. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew retain the titles, NWA National Tag Team Championship. Uh the crowd is also not pleased with this one. No. And this is one of those moments again where I always ask about wrestling rules. So like sometimes 
as they treat the ropes as like the plane, like it's a plane, like uh, like the touchdown line in football, like the goal line. As long as that ball touched it, touched that area at some point going across the goal line, it, it counts as going into the end zone. Now, sometimes in wrestling, just having your legs underneath the rope to the outside of the ring counts as being out of bounds. But sometimes they make you actually have your foot on the ropes or something touching the ropes to be out of bounds. And so at this point, uh, Wahoo would have to have his leg out of the ring for for Ole to be able to hold it. But it still counts as a pin. It's still good. I don't... So it's one of those little inconsistencies that, that irritate me a little bit in pro wrestling is that that rule right there is just like... Did he break the rope plane or is it, does he actually have to touch the ropes? So what if this is one of those NWA versus WCW things? It might be. I don't know. Uh, I know the NWA at this point still has the rule to where a, your tag partner is only allowed to break up a pin for you once. Hmm. At, if he does it again, the ref can disqualify your team. Um. So I know that was an NWA rule and they actually mentioned it in this show, but I don't know about this whole, like you must touch the ropes as opposed to just breaking the plane of the ropes uh, to have a, have a break or, or the pin to not count. So I don't These are know. important. Yeah. I don't know either. Important questions. This hey, is important hey, for my enjoyment. Internet, figure it out for us. Send us a note. Um, there's a promo with Buddy Landell and JJ Dillon afterwards. He's, doing his rick flairist um he's okay on the mic he's i don't know uh, i didn't yeah. i didn't fall asleep but i also wasn't particularly moved no he's excited about winning that's that, i got that much so. yeah and i'm excited about this next match uh which is a doozy this is one of the ones that popped up on a bunch of people's best uh, ever Starcade matches lists. And so that kind of led us to watch this show and it's, it's pretty good. Uh, this is Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard. Who's with baby doll. It's an, I quit steel cage match for the NWA United States heavyweight championship and hot damn. <laughs> yeah. What I really like about this match. So like we've watched other, I quit matches and we're just kind of like, meh, but this one, the, what makes this this a really great I quit match is that your opponent needs to hold the microphone in your face and force you to say it. So it's not like the ref like holding the microphone and like like Roddy Piper, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? And Brett versus Bob Backlund. What do you say? Come on, do you quit? Do you quit? No, you gotta like beat the crap out of your opponent, walk over and grab the microphone that still has a cord. It's not like wireless or anything, because it's 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 mid-80s. So you got to drag the microphone across the ring and hold it in your down opponent's face and make him say, I quit. And it makes some really great dramatic moments in this match with that whole, that whole concept. Um, Yeah. Lots of drama, lots of screaming and lots of blood. Of course. Um, both of these guys look like absolute studs, especially Magnum. Like, you know, we, we talked a little bit off the air about, you know, how the, seeing him here in such amazing shape and he's clearly you know next level you're right there there are the mid card guys and then there are the guys who are going to be stars uh you know and, and go about as far as you could go and, and magnum was one of those guys uh, of course not too long after this he had an accident that sort of made him unable to wrestle again uh and it really you know 
makes you a little bit sad to, uh, you know, think about what, what was lost there. So his story is kind of a tragic one. Um, but there's also a really great contrast between him and Tully. So he's, you know, Magnum is sort of a golden God. He's got that blonde perm and the mustache and um tully is sort of shorter and kind of dark haired and very furry and uh, so they look like stocky and like they, just, yeah a little stocky and like beefy and they look like they're just meant to hate each other and to go at it hammer and tongs you know yeah there's a there's a third stud in this ring did you recognize the referee who was the referee earl hebner know. it's a young oh, earl it? hebner yeah i don't know if i noticed it's like one of his first like televised matches, apparently. Wow. Um, so yeah, like and just just like how I talked about how like Abdullah and Manny, like that's that's how you do it. Like you go you just go for the kill. And like that's what these guys do too. They immediately go into like a bar brawl, like rolling around on the floor, on the mat, trying to get in cheap shots on each other. They're fighting. It's supposed to look like a fight. It's a fight. Um, and they start bleeding quick, just like every other match. Someone starts bleeding fast. Yeah. And like, so it's in a cage and, uh, every, so we're in the period of time now to where the moment, moment, anything on your body hits, hits the cage unintentionally, you bleed. It just breaks your skin (laughs) immediately. It's very unsafe. It's got barbs. It's probably rusty. Uh, I mean, if you looked at the ring, you're not going to be surprised that that cage is also unsafe. So, and there's, there's some just great moments in this match. And then there's some moments that take you out of it, such as when the young Earl Hebner decides to do a microphone check after the first uh, quit, (laughs) he then taps on it and blows into the microphone and then puts the microphone back down. Check, check one, two, check one, two. Is this thing on? I quit. I quit. I quit. Check, check, check. Yeah, no, they 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 get at it. Uh, I I liked that sort of like you said that bar brawl. It looked like two guys like trying to fight because that's what happens when two guys actually fight. They end up kind of rolling around on the floor awkwardly, you know. Like yeah, it doesn't it doesn't happen like in the movies. That's that's what it actually looks like. And they just freaking go for it. Um, they uh, he totally works on Magnum for a good long time. Um, you know, there's some test of strength kinds of stuff. There's a there's a bit where he sort of like picks Magnum up by the hair and you can kind of see him like calling moves into Magnum's beautiful mane. <laughs> He's like talking <laughs> talking into the top of his head. Yeah. Um to call the next moves. So at some point are we ready to talk about the chair or did you have something else? Well, well no, like at one of the first uh checks to see if, if Magnum would quit. Tully brings the microphone over to them and holds Magnum by the back of his hair and is like, do you quit? Do you quit? And Magnum's like, no, no, get off me. And then Tully just starts bashing him in the head with the microphone. Like it's a real fight. It's so, so good. And all of the, like their timing of coming around to asking was also really good. It just wasn't constant. It was like, okay, well then I need to beat the shit out of you some more. And they would go at it some more. And then, and they would suddenly it would get turned back around. And then Magnum's asking Tully, do you quit? And he's like, no. And then like, and then he starts choking him with the, with the wire to the microphone and stuff. Like it's crazy. And then like, there's a couple wrestling moves, but for the most part, it's just punching the shit out of each other. Um, yeah. And, and I, I really I really appreciate when he bashes him with the mic because you can hear it's like boom, 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 yeah. like oh. through, through the PA. 
<laughs> like, uh, for someone this... that gets into the sound of a wrestling match, it was so good to hear boom, 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 boom with these shots. Like it adds authenticity to it. Like he's hitting him. You can't yeah. necessarily tell how hard he's hitting him, but he's really hitting him with that microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So then at some point, somebody tosses a wooden chair into the ring and it breaks into about a dozen pieces when it lands in the ring. But there's a really conveniently uh, broken off sharp piece that Tully grabs and starts <laughs> going to work on Magnum. And he's sort of like holding the pointed end over Magnum's head and like pressing it down and pressing it down. And he's like almost got it and they fight it off, fight it off. And like, uh, it, was, it was beautiful. It was um, terrifying. That yeah. part is so scary. Like what if Matt, like they're sweaty and bloody. Like what if Magnum's arm slips a little bit? Tully's like giving full force into trying to drive that shard into his eye. Like, if Magnum's grip slips a little bit, like, he's losing an eye in this match. He might die. Like, Tully could just fall forward by accident a little bit. Or, like, a slippage with that shard from the chair is going to kill somebody. It's insane. It's yeah. just insane. It's, it's so scary. Like, There's no I, kayfabe in that one. No, no. Like, the crowd could have seen Magnum TA die in this moment. Like, <laughs> They could have just like it just would have been like I don't know you didn't watch Game of Thrones did you no no so like there's this one big there's a a, a big duel between um uh, one guy from one kingdom who's like fast and got a spear and this other guy that's just called the Mountain right and okay. so he's the fast guy with the spears landed a couple shots and he's taunting the guy because he looks like he's got him down but then the Mountain just grabs the guy's head and starts squeezing it out of nowhere and it explodes. And like the crowd just goes silent watching this fight. <laughs> like he just crushed his face. And it's like something like that could have happened in this moment. Like just one little slip and that chair is going through Magnum TA's face. <laughs> I had a, a flash forward, I guess, to a Die Hard 2 where he fights the guy outside the church in the snow and ends up stabbing him in the eyeball with the oh, icicle. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, could have been the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So eventually they Magnum gets out of that and reverses it and he gets the sharp piece of the chair and goes to work on Tully and um, I guess grinds down close enough to the bone to make him finally uh, say that he quits. Yeah. Um, oh. Oh, it's gratuitous. Yeah, and like the crowd explodes again. Just this this crowd is the hottest crowd that we've seen in probably any of the shows that we've we've watched uh it's insane and you can definitely tell that we're in the south because there is a dude in the front row in over overalls farmer overalls and no shirt <laughs> like hillbilly jim is sitting in the front row of the show oh yeah uh yeah it's amazing so magnum gets the win and the belt there i you know it's a it's a pyrrhic victory um because he's he's down a couple of pints i'm not sure he's going to be able to you know, move his arms or neck tomorrow, but, um, it's a, it's a rough one. It's a, it's an amazing match though. Whoever, yeah. again, the, the internet is, uh, is always right. So I'm trying to remember excellent. like the, this match was set up because they had another match that they both passed out of in at like the 45 minute mark of the match. I believe mm. they both like collapsed and they, and the ref did a double count out on them. And so the only way to, to, to resolve their their feud now was they would have to fight to make the other person quit in a cage and that was the only way the match would end 
Uh, well, now I kind of want to see that other match. Yeah. Uh, so hmm. I want to say that might have been at a Great American Bash, possibly. All right. Anyways. Well, we'll get to Googling. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. Uh, the next match is Jimmy Valiant and Miss Atlanta Lively, who we'll talk about in a minute, with Big Mama <laughs> versus the Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry, managed by uh, Jim Cornette. It's an Atlanta street fight. Um, the Midnight Express's music, we will say it every time, is freaking amazing. It's Yeah, it's, this is a dubbed-in version of their actual theme song. So their actual theme song is like the song from the movie Midnight Express, this is like a dubbed in generic version of it. It's not quite right. And I, so that this is another one of those moments where I'm like, did Peacock do this? Did Jim Crockett promotions do this? Is this actually what they played in the arena that night? Because they already didn't have the rights to it. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's questionable what's happening here. So, yeah, whatever's going on. Um, so, <laughs> So the midnight um, for real. What the hell is going on with this match? What, what is going on? It's a friggin' it's a circus. Um, so Bobby and uh, Dennis from the midnight are in tuxedos, as is Cornette. Why uh, we don't know. We don't know. Atlanta street fight. Um, Jimmy Valiant, uh, the boogie boogie man, of course. Um, his partner is Miss Atlanta Lively. So, so the boogie boogie maniac. Whatever. Um, nobody cares. He um, is a maniac. I don't. Oh my god. I don't know. So I, the lead into this must have been, I didn't look this up, must have been some sort of gimmick where they're like, the Midnight Express is like, okay, we pick your partner for you uh, and we're going to pick a woman, right? Haha, <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so they bring in Miss Atlanta Lively, who, spoiler alert, is uh, rugged Ronnie Garvin. Fist of steel. The worst, uh, the worst drag outfit you've ever seen in your life. Um <laughs> And then they they proceed to just like I I don't know I don't know what happens uh, some stuff yeah I thought Miss Atlanta kind of looked like Don Morocco <laughs> to be honest in this <laughs> match like like I don't know what's happening uh, so I did look it up and, and I found an interview that's uh, uh, one press agency or whatever did with Ron Garvin and and they specifically asked him like why'd you do the Miss Atlanta lively gimmick and he's like it made money. <laughs> I kind of was like, well, we can try this. I was willing to do it. And it went over big with the crowd, especially with the boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant. And he's like, it made money. I did it a bunch of times. Every single time the crowd went crazy. I got more bookings. I made me money. That's all what this business is about, right? Making money. So I mean, it was a very interesting approach. Like Ron Garvin was willing to dress like a woman, like wig, Ugly sweater, fake boobs, skirt, everything to to make money. It's hard to argue with that logic, honestly. It's yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. I would um I don't know. I guess there's no way for a match like this to not be a circus, but it's uh it is a circus. Um they're throwing like powder at each other at various points. Um there's some nice moves on the concrete that were pretty <laughs> pretty serious. Uh, and the crowd really pops for those. Um yeah. So it was, Valiant it was, does his does twitching. He twitches every time he takes a big shot. Just yeah. like Hulk Hogan. It's kind of uncomfortable. He gets yeah. hit with some brass knuckles. Uh Ronnie Garvin dressed as Miss Atlanta Lively gets gets color and is bleeding like crazy, which is just so weird looking. 
and then there's powder. Everybody's covered in powder. The Midnight Express are wearing prom tuxes that are falling apart. I I don't even think I've wrote down who won. I think Ron uh, Miss Atlanta Lively and Jimmy Valiant won this match. They but did. Yeah. I don't think anybody really wins. <laughs> there's no winners here. Yeah. <laughs> so the 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 Wikipedia results say Bobby Eaton attempted jump to jump from the top turnbuckle onto Valiant, but Lively caught him with a European uppercut, and uh, Lively then pinned Eaton to win. So, I mean, that's the right, that's the right outcome there. Right. And the faces yeah. win heels go home and defeat. Yeah. I, oh my God. I don't, I, this was like, I don't understand the lore. I mean, the crowd fucking loves Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. Like we've seen him in shows where he's masked as the, uh, and goes by the name, Charlie Brown. We've seen him now here just like, doing weird macho man esque dancing. Like, I don't know if like Jimmy Valiant took those moves from macho man or macho man took the knee shimmies from, from Jimmy Valiant. But I mean, he's dancing and like leaning all over the place and the crowd just eats him up. I, I don't understand. I don't understand the appeal of him. I mean, he's a lot of fun I, kind of to watch, but I guess, okay. I don't know. He looks like, looks like someone with a serious drug problem. Honestly, um, he's, he's very hyper. <laughs> very very hyper he's got a lot of uppers uh, going yeah all right so let's go back that was in atlanta obviously let's go back to greensboro where the cage is still up um so that we can bring in the rock and roll express ricky and robert and they've got don Cronodo as their manager versus Ivan and nikita koloff uh so barry darso slash crusher khrushchev's uh, other russian counterparts um, legitimate Russians, obviously. Um, this is a steel cage match for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. And ha, damn, again. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is a great this, match. An exciting match. This is about as good of a tag team match as I think you'll ever see. Like, it's 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 prime Rock and Roll Express. Goddamn Rock and Roll Express, of course it is. Yeah, uh, and the, the Koloffs are just, are just awesome heels. Um, the crowd is hot. The it's brutal because again, we're in like the tetanus trap cage of the eighties. Um, so you just, yeah. you just bounce off the, it's like, a um, one of those trampoline zones, except like all the trampolines are made of steel, rough steel, uh, <laughs> and they scratch you and give you tetanus. That's what, that's what this is like. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, and we have a we have a fairly traditional rock and roll express match. It starts out with Ricky uh in in the mat in in the ring and he's kind of getting beat up, but he gets some desperate offense, but he tags out to Robert Gibson and then Robert just gets his ass beat for like 10 minutes it feels like, just forever. <laughs> the dude is just pounded on and he's bleeding and it's just Oh, and we get reminded that there, this is where we get reminded of that old rule where your tag partner can only break up a pin once without you facing disqualification. And boy, when the rock and roll express, the girls are squealing for them. <laughs> it's like Shawn Michaels just came out or something like, Oh my God. It's uh, those hairdos, man. Yeah. Those, that, I'll tell like, you what. that shiny Joe dirt hair that he's got. <laughs> I don't, Oh my God. Um, yeah. And, the ref gets hit like everything everything that you can imagine happens in this match and we get and the hot tag comes very late in this match like 
Gibson really this like takes the brunt of the whole match, which is which is weird because normally it's uh, Ricky Morton that 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 plays that role, but this time it's it's Robert eating it, and then we get a hot tag, and Ricky's in for thirty seconds or less, and this match is over. It's intense and fast, and everybody's beating up each other. Uh, Don Kernodal's out on the outside of the match and outside of the ring, and he even gets blood somehow. Like, <laughs> like everybody's bleeding, everybody's eaten up, everybody's going down, and it's and the match ends in chaos too. So, it's a it's a delicious tag match. Yeah, it's a it's a piece of work. Um, I I saw the same thing you did, which is you know usually it's Ricky Morton that gets his ass beat for like ninety percent of the match, and then maybe they just decided to swap that night or something. I'm not sure which. Maybe just shaking it up a little bit. Um, there's a really nice roll up to get the finish. Uh, I, man, this was a good match. After the bell, the uh, Koloffs come in and uh, Crusher Khrushchev comes down too, and they they beat on Gibson with a chain, which is just it's uncalled for. It's not it's not necessary. Yeah, and um, then some other dudes come out, and the the announcers say that they're other wrestlers, but they're in street clothes. And I swore they just came out of the front row or something. I didn't. I was like, was this guy? Just like some fans just charged into the ring. I don't understand what's happening here, but they apparently were wrestlers. And I think one of them was uh, Billy Jack Haynes that came down. That that uh, was the face that I think I recognized. I was like, okay, they are wrestlers. But it's like I don't know who these people are. Yeah, I kind of thought the one guy, like you said, he kind of looked like, like you said, just a fan that jumped the barricade. And especially because <laughs> they, they they take him out pretty quickly and kind of brutally. I'm like, oh, maybe they just yeah. clock that guy for, you know, some fan know. going get off my rock and roll express after he's yeah. put down like five uh miller high lifes you know <laughs> he's got to defend the rock and roll express from you get off my ricky yeah so <laughs> get off my ricky <laughs> <laughs> you need to put that in the promo for this match or for this uh this episode get off my ricky all the wrestlemania says get off my ricky anyway no this is a good match if you like tag team actually even if you don't like tag team matches you should watch this match because then you'll realize that you're wrong and you should like tag team matches uh are we ready for the main event i think oh yeah i think so so we're headed back to atlanta for the finish right is that right yeah yeah so it's uh the great dusty Rhodes um versus the also great, <laughs> Ric Flair uh, for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship is the main event of this uh, card. Um, it's a it's a barn burner. It's uh, 22 minutes long. It's maybe, is it the longest match? Oh, yeah. It's the longest match by five or six minutes out of the whole card, both sites. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know. Like, this is this is so classic. It almost, like defies description <laughs> uh, yeah and th- I mean, this match has lots of lots of history weighing in on it too like it's wonderful this is i think this this is dusty's uh possible second shot i don't want to give spoilers but the, uh, his second shot of becoming nwa champion uh rick flair is established as the dominant guy he's now the personality that we know of this looks more like like the classic Ric Flair match. We recognize his standard bumps and his moves happen in this match. We have 
the woo happening. We've got chops. We've got everything that is Ric Flair. We've got the robes. We've got the styling and profile. And we got the also Sprock Zarathustra entrance. This is the Ric Flair that everybody knows now. Yeah, I got excited even when the match started and they were just kind of circling each other for like the first lockup. And you yeah. know, Flair's kind of doing that like sort of crouching thing where he's got his he's got his yeah. one hand up. And it's like so it's so iconic, honestly. It's yeah, like, and his little like run around in the circle where he tries uh-huh. to get behind the guy and stuff, yep. and the guy stops him. Like it's everything that is iconic actually about both of these guys happens in this match, and it's 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 a thing of beauty. Yeah. I may have asked this before, and I don't mean any disrespect at all, but was Dusty Rhodes, like, ever in shape? Like, was there, like, an early Dusty Rhodes where he was not, like, shaped like that? <laughs> I don't think so. I have I have heard, maybe it was Stone Cold on Stone Cold's show, where he was like, well, there was two groups of wrestlers. There's the gym guys, and then there's not the gym guys. <laughs> and both of them had their benefits, and Dusty was not one of the gym guys. <laughs> Clearly. Um, I was more concerned about what that thing is on Dusty's side. Like, legit, is that a hematoma? Is it a hernia? What is that? that bulbous thing that's on his like diaphragm. I don't know. It's always there. I always kind of thought it was like a uh, birthmark or something, but it's got it some and I dimension it. to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and according to the announcer, there's only a 30 pound difference between flair and dusty. I don't <laughs> think that's right. I do not believe that at all. Yeah. Um, flair, there is serious heat on flair at the start of this match. Uh, the the crowd loves Dusty, and we have this iconic shot of like Ric Flair standing in his corner in the robes, getting into the ring, uh, with with Dusty in front of us to with his back to us. It's it's this this match has the best camera work of yeah. all. Um, our our account uh, on Facebook actually recently posted a still that I taken from this match because it looks like a goddamn Renaissance painting. <laughs> Um, it is i actually you know when you saw when i saw that i actually thought about like have have that blown up and printed out like in full color like to hang up uh in, yeah. either in my office or in my house because uh, it, it's really it's awesome yeah so, uh it, for those that have not seen it it is a still uh rick flair has dusty in the figure four and we have them perfectly lined up where we have rick Flair's profile, but we have Dusty's face full on, and so we can see some blood running down Ric Flair's face, and him like screaming, and Dusty writhing in agony, and the ref is right in Dusty's face, perfectly asking him if he gives up. And it's it's an amazing shot, and the background is dark, and the the ring is pink with blood stains. <laughs> it's 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 a moment that is undeni- undeniably beautiful and is a perfect reflection of professional wrestling at the time. Yeah, and this is actually one of the least uh bloody matches on this card. Um Flair gets a little bit of gets some color from that hairline of his, of course. Yeah. Um so that he can turn his hair pink. Um does Dusty end up bleeding? I can't remember. I don't think so. I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. And getting bloody in this match. 
this match right away it starts off in their traditional fashion they're circling each other and then we get a tie up and uh, uh flair takes dusty into the corner off of the collar and elbow tie up but right before what looks like it's going to be a clean break flair lays in a cheap shot and then suddenly dusty snaps and out come those bionic elbows right to flair's head and uh Flair is like backs away. Dusty then does his little dance strut across the ring. It's so good. And then Flair walks out of the ring and he go, even goes over the security barricade and walks into the crowd. Like he's like, he's really got to distance himself because he's so upset about what's happening. Like he's, it's out of control. He needs to get himself back together. Yeah. It's questionable if he'll come back at all. Right. Like he's, yeah, he hangs out there a real long time, which is, which is a really cool move. Um, Dusty sells the foot or the ankle or whatever for a good part yeah. of this match um, early Flair on. He kicks him right in it, and you can hear yeah. Dusty scream, oh, God, and he goes down <laughs> and, like, just sells it like like uh, uh, Nancy Kerrigan taking the hit from Tanya Harding, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, whoa, and obviously so it's it's a it's a great to go after the leg because if you're the figure four leg lock guy like flair is right yeah you're gonna soften that up for a little bit later in the match and you know he does he attempts that figure four a handful of times he gets kicked off of it a few times um you know Rhodes kind of hurts his hurts his ankle some more in uh in the act of getting flair off of his legs (laughs) so um so that's a nice little story they're telling throughout um yeah and there's uh, a there's this one moment where uh, Dusty uh, Flair is trying to get Dusty into the figure four, one of the first ones, uh, and you can hear Dusty scream, "Oh shit, Flair!" Like <laughs> with some great, with great vocals on both parts. Uh, Dusty is working over Flair's leg at some point to try and disable the figure four, and we have Flair screaming, "Oh god, oh god!" Like that classic, <laughs> just like Flair, like shrill agony scream uh it's so good it and yeah and we have we have flair climbing to the top rope and getting caught by dusty we have flair flipping over the top rope we have flair flipping over the top rope and then running like a maniac to the cross turnbuckle to climb up and then getting caught from that it it got everything and then at one point we have Dusty is is exhausted. He's been beaten down and he's laying on the mat and like writhing and moaning over his ankle and Flair is standing over him bloody and Flair just screams at him, "Come on! Come on, Dusty! Come on!" Like there's just so much drama happening in this match. I it's I can't even like quantify it in the words how good <laughs> the 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 storytelling on both sides is happening in this match yeah it's a work it's a work of art um they they bump the ref um and uh anderson's come down and interfere um but they managed to get a new ref down there and uh flair flair is going to pick up roads um and and dusty like reverses it into an inside cradle which is insane like a guy that size and yeah. shape like doing that kind of move <laughs> and he gets the pin and the win and the title and it, you know this is one of the nice things you don't see uh too much and all the faces come down to celebrate dusty getting the title if they and try like, to pick dusty up why would you do can't. that 
and they can't. They try to lift him up, and it's just a really awkward, like them carrying him around at like knee level of, <laughs> of the ring. You know that run in of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew is the birth of the Four Horsemen. Yeah, that's right. So that's another reason why this match is so important in the history of wrestling is that the most iconic stable forms after this match and they're confused as to why the Minnesota Wrecking Crew would run in to help Flair and it's because Flair is calling the shots and is forming the Four Horsemen with Ole and Arn and soon to be joined by uh, Tully Blanchard. Dusty finished himself on this one. Um so after Starcade, the ref actually reversed the outcome to say that he didn't win by pinfall. He won by disqualification because of the interference by the Andersons, which means that Ric Flair held on to the title. Um, so when he formed the Four Horsemen, then like just a couple of months after this show, uh, you know, he was the champion of uh, at the time. And of course, Arn and uh, Ole were the tag team champions um so it's quite a quite a turning point here yeah and one of the biggest bullshit moments of professional wrestling at that time uh it's it's deemed what they they use some sort of bullshit replay on world championship wrestling that used to air on like saturdays uh to show that the original referee in this match had come to enough to see Arn and Ole run into the ring and that he actually had started signaling for the match to be ended. But the other referee still came down and counted to three for the pin. And so that's controversy and it's dusty over dustying himself and it's craziness. <laughs> and it's been controversial ever since as to what happened here. And they stripped the title away from dusty in a heartbreaking moment. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of I, I, the dusty finish gets kind of a bad rap because it does get overused and stuff. But it's also sort of genius because you get the crowd gets that amazing cathartic moment of him beating Flair. Right. And you got all the faces coming down and celebrating and everybody's having a good time. And then you also get the crushing low, you know, the next day or the next weekend or whatever, when the thing is uh, reversed and they take the title away and then you get all the anticipation and the heat for the inevitable showdown and rematch that, that's got to come after that. Right. So it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's cheap maybe, but it also totally works. Yeah. And after this match, <clears throat> they go to Dusty celebrating in the locker room and it's a very weird scene. Uh, Dusty cuts his promo about this win is for the textile workers. This is for the coal miners, the plumbers. Like he just starts rattling off all these various like blue collar jobs. Like I was like, he started with textile workers. Like that's a very, <laughs> very specific, specifically it's, targeted audience. It's for the piecework assembly line workers, <laughs> the Alaskan king crab fishermen. The non-union plumbers and the union plumbers. It's for the longshoremen. The moppers of the porn uh, booths <laughs> in Times Square. Like, 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 it's just very, very specific. This is for the fry cooks at the McDonald's at the corner of... <laughs> it's about the guy who sews the little tags on the mattresses that says, do not tear this tag off. This one's for you. This is for product inspector number 63. 
64, <laughs> 72. You guys did a great job on my coat. Thank you. And like, while this is happening, Wahoo McDaniel is wandering around back and forth on and off camera, looking completely confused. Like it's very clear that this is supposed to be the face locker room and they're all supposed to be celebrating, but the chief just looks lost and confused. (laughs) And it's like, and he looks at the camera multiple times with this, like, what, what happened? What? What am I supposed to do? Like he's trying to talk to the producers or something, like try to get a get a clue as to what he's supposed to be doing or something. <laughs> like it's very it's too funny. It's very weird. And then there was another guy there that I thought was Tully Blanchard multiple times. And like, why would Tully be there? Why is that guy happy? And they even talked to him and like I have no idea who the hell he was. <laughs> that was product inspector number seventy six. Yeah. And then the last thing that we get is like Bob Cottle and Tony uh, Shivani summarizing up the event and both of them holding on to the very large phallic microphone in a very weird bromance kind of way. Like they're both grabbing the microphone and like holding it and pulling it towards each other to talk. But, but like they don't know who should be holding the microphone and it's very like, uncomfortable awkward moment between them that's just like are you guys okay like uh <laughs> like springsteen and little stevie uh singing into the same mic yeah, yeah and it was kind of it was also very reminiscent of like uh in uh talladega nights and ricky bobby wins that race and he's like i don't know what to do with my hands and like he just <laughs> his hands just keep coming well you just put them down on your side i don't but my hands i don't know what to do with my hands kind of thing like they're just like they don't know what to do with the with holding the microphone who should be holding the microphone whose microphone is it what should we do so we'll just both hold it (laughs) it's kind of funny um so we don't do uh full show you know reviews and ratings uh for these non-wrestlemanias but we do usually best and worst match and oh shit moments did you have a a best match for this one it's got a it's got a it's few dusty good choices and Ric Flair. dusty and yeah. Ric Flair is the best match it's right up like it's tully and magnum are right behind it and um and even uh abdullah the butcher versus uh manny fernandez is very close too but i think i gotta go with with dusty and flair they just put on a show that you just that we're all lucky to have ever seen. Yeah, that's that would be my pick too. I I would put Rock and Roll Express up there in the top three. I don't know, it's tough. Like if you pick, if you're picking a top three, then one of those really amazing matches got to get uh, cut out. But I would put the Rock and Roll Express up there. Um, my worst one would probably be uh, Superstar Billy Graham versus the Barbarian, just because it seems like like an afterthought, like. Uh, and like you said, the, the finish is the same as the arm wrestling match, which just happened, you know, five minutes previously with, right. uh, Paul, Paul Jones whacking him with the cane. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the match necessarily. It just, it didn't do anything for me. Uh, that match, it kind of felt like one of those, like, it's more like they brought Bill, uh, Billy Graham out as like a soup, like a, like a visiting celebrity kind of thing. More like, it felt like more like a, cele- like what you would see on WrestleMania as like a celebrity spot kind of thing as opposed to like an actual booked wrestling match i think for my worst match is it's probably going to be terry taylor versus buddy landell i don't know i just wasn't feeling that match 
I just didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I didn't, I just didn't get behind it. I couldn't feel it. So I think that's where, that's where I'm at. I just had no, I had, I felt no investment into that match. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. The other one, um, that just was just too much of a mess to really appreciate was that Midnight Express thing with Ronnie Garvin and <laughs> yeah, whatever that was. I just enjoy that one because it's so much fucking chaos. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's weird. It is out there for for Southern wrestling to be featuring a cross dressed Ronnie Garvin. That's that's it's interesting maneuver. It's it's a bit more uh liberal than what i would expect from them this is like a it's like the nwa's version of a drag queen story time kind of i don't know <laughs> weird it borders on performance art it really does yeah it does uh, like why are they in prom tuxes why is why is miss atlanta lively dressed like she's ready to go down to the grocery store why <laughs> like what is happening why is jimmy valiant got a weird beard and a ponytail and shimmy in his knees all the time I don't understand what's happening here. There's a lot of powder. I, yeah. Why is Big Mama so hot to be called Big Mama? Like I was, I was thinking like a more like a you know Big Mama Thornton kind of big lady was gonna <laughs> was gonna come out and this is kind of smoking hot uh, lady. Anyway, that was. Um, did you have an oh shit moment? I mean, there were a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, shit, it's look gonna. At blood. <laughs> yeah, oh shit, look at Ron Garvin. Oh shit, look at the blood. Oh shit, I think Abdullah the Butcher is really trying to kill Manny. Oh, like, uh, I think my oh shit moment actually is going to be uh, that that moment of that first moment where Tully Blanchard asks Magnum if he's, if he wants to give up. And when he refuses, he starts pounding on his face with the microphone. That moment just got me so much. It's because I'm into the audio of it as much as like the visuals and the performance. And that was just a, a genius moment. And I'm sure they just thought of doing that, like in that second. And they don't realize how artful that was and how amazing of, of a dramatic moment that was. And so uh, I think that's that's going to be mine. Yeah, that's a really good one. I think mine was probably Abdullah going for that fork like immediately after the bell rang. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the second match on the card and the first match on the Atlanta portion of the show. So this is top of the show. Like this is not, you know, 1130 PM. This is, you know, probably eight o'clock, uh, maybe even earlier. Um, and he's just pulls out a goddamn fork and starts stabbing Manny in the head. Um, and then who proceeds to just spurt blood all over the ring for yeah. the next eight minutes or so. Uh, that made me say, Holy shit. I'm like, when, so when I saw that, I'm like, what did we just turn on? Like, what is, what is this <laughs> this program? I thought we were going to watch a wrestling show and a, a murder broke out. It does feel know. very ECW-ish, yeah. uh, at least near the beginning with that match. It's just like, uh, it just makes me kind of like think of that Danny DeVito meme from uh, It's Always Sunny. Where it's like, well, so I started shooting. <laughs> like, it's like the bell rings. He goes into his tights, immediately pulls out a sharp object and starts stabbing his opponent with it. It's like, so anyway, no I started nonsense. stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. No, a, a world apart from WrestleMania one. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine if they like swapped the feed or something and that Abdullah match got, uh, got stuck into the WrestleMania? Oh, that'd be <laughs> amazing. 
in the closed circuit TV. People would like start throwing up in the aisle and hiding their children. All those children crying. There's kids yeah. in the audience for these shows too. Like, oh yeah. Let's let's not <laughs> let's not act like this is that people didn't view this also as children's entertainment. It's very intense. The, I love this show. It's I, a really good one. I I love this show. This is probably uh, my favorite non WWF show that we've watched and reviewed. This is the second time I've watched this uh, Starcade, and the shit just gets crazier with Starcade after this. The next Starcade is the first of the scaffold matches oh, where they're shit, fighting yeah. in a scaffold like twenty feet above the ring, and it's the one where like Jim Cornette falls off of the scaffolding and Big Bubba misses the catch, and like. Cornette breaks his knee or something. Yeah. Um, so like the NWA ain't done, but I mean, <laughs> you put this next to WrestleMania though, like we were discussing earlier and it's night and day. Like what is happening? How are, how are both of these things called wrestling and sports entertainment when one is dirty, aged looking, smoky and blood everywhere. And the other one has Muhammad Ali and Liberace. <laughs> like yeah i was just looking at the wrestlemania one card and trying to imagine you know which of those matches so i, f- I feel like the iron sheik and nikolai volkov versus the u.s express could have fit on you know this this card right that's not it's the closest one yeah that's probably the closest one but then after that it just gets it would just get a little weird like hulk hogan and mr t versus paul orndorff and roddy piper I mean, people would have watched and cheered for Andre the Giant versus Big John Studd, of course, as Andre would get over anywhere. Right. Um, but like Ricky Steamboat versus, well, I don't know, Ricky Steamboat. He's he's always good. Yeah, that's it's a total <clears throat> it's a total uh, sort of different set of expectations and aesthetics. Yeah, I mean, they would never. I think the mentality is definitely different between the promotions here, to where I don't think the NWA would have. Um, tolerated mr t coming in and and then also putting that like celebrity non-trained wrestler into the main event you know sure they had hulk hogan carry it and stuff like that but none of those matches look like an nwa match except for maybe that u.s u.s express and the russian the communist match um <laughs> yeah communism uh translates for sure yeah i don't i yeah i mean it's it's such a different product. It's really crazy. And like I said in the previous episode, I finally really understand what like, like my barber growing up and like some other people that I knew that watched wrestling said, well, well, WWF's wrestling and WCW and NWA is wrestling. Like I finally understand what they're talking about. That like one presents in a much more legitimate fashion than the other. Even now, even at this point, 85, WWF wrestling looks so much different than NWA wrestling. And it's crazy. And I can understand why WWF would eventually win. Because, I mean, that WrestleMania looks so much more polished and such more of a finished product. How can you, how can, how can, like, if you're trying to draw in new fans, how can you not be more drawn to that than this that has a dude drawing a knife the moment the bell rings (laughs) oh another guy pounding the other guy in the face with a microphone two dudes tied together with a bull rope fighting each other like how can you you like 
it's not as this is much more nuanced and much more uh, of a focused audience than what WWF. It's almost like what's the difference between like WWE and AEW now. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking actually one of the so the most telling things is the steel cage match here is like um is chain link fencing basically right and like it's all it's all rough edges and stuff the steel cage in wrestlemania 2 when hulk hogan and king kong bundy get into uh, is there's big uh open squares you know and it's bright blue and it looks very like rounded off and shiny and uh and it's still i mean it's still a steel cage right and they're selling it as oh this is a bad thing um but it's a completely different experience than these guys trapped inside of like what looks like a dog kennel. Yeah. I mean, so this is one of the things that actually arises uh, in the main differences between the two is that in WWF, eventually cage matches are won by escaping the cage, which makes no damn sense. You're putting them into a cage because you don't want them to get away from each other, force them to have that fight. And that is not how it works in NWA. Yeah, you're locking them in there so they can beat the ever-loving shit out of each other. And right. maybe one of them will live to get out. Right. Not so that one can like just pull off enough moves so that the other can like actually just walk out the door. Yeah. And I, I understand that like some of that might have been done just so that like because you can't have King Kong Bundy or Andre the Giant climbing the goddamn blue cage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also why is that a way to win at all? Like just pin them, make it, make it a pinfall inside of a cage. So like, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that, that like they took the edge off, like WWF polished things and took the edges off of everything to make it much more palatable and presentable to a, a non like fan audience so that like the masses could watch it. Your mom that has never seen wrestling. And has this heard of that Hulk Hogan fellow, uh, that everybody he seems, seems like a nice so young much. man. He seems so nice. He tells you to eat your, take your vitamins and eat your vegetables and say your prayers. He's so nice. Uh, like it's, that's exactly what it is, is that like, even in 1985, WWF is polishing and rounding things off so that they can suck in a bigger audience and kill all the territories. Meanwhile, the NWA is putting on this gem of a show, but it just looks like shit. They're uh, they're leaning into the grit, as it right. were. Right, right. The camera is shaky. The ring is dirty, and it's like the auditorium definitely seems smoker smoky. The crowd is rough. You know, Liberace's not there. <laughs> Everybody's the, bleeding. The Rockettes aren't there. Uh, people are bleeding. Your biggest celebrity is Billy is superstar Billy Graham. Uh, you know, that's it's totally totally a different approach to it. As we do with every episode, we like to just take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen in this show who are no longer with us. So our in memoriam section for Starcade 85, the gathering includes Backstage interviewer Johnny Weaver, outlaw Ron Bass, nature boy Buddy Landell, Don Carnodal, Ivan Koloff, manager Paul Jones, Wahoo McDaniel, beautiful Bobby Eaton, and of course, the American dream Dusty Rhodes. 
So thanks for joining us, folks. We really uh, appreciate you tuning in and listening to us ramble on about these wrestling shows. If you like what you hear, check us out on allthewrestlemanias.com. You can find us on all your favorite podcast apps. Like us, subscribe, download, do all that stuff. Leave us a nice review. Uh, if you have questions, comments, thoughts about future shows, send them to us at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at WrestlemaniaPod. You can find our Instagram and Facebook accounts, all the WrestleManias. Uh, we love hearing from you. We love your uh, your questions, your comments, your requests. Um, so so bring those on in. We're uh, always happy to have them. So until next time, I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. Saying so long, everybody. Yeah.